Welcome to The Beat with JoJo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman gives you an in-depth look at the Husker football program and beyond. The Beat is brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome here to The Beat. Thank you, Johnny Raritan, for bringing us in one final time. As uh, This is our 18th show, JoJo Doman, final show. Um, there's going to be some more content in store, uh, hopefully here with Path to the Draft and some of the things you're, you and your team have going on. But this is the final beat. And let me say, Joe, this has been so much fun getting to do this every week over the course. And I, I can't tell you the amount of feedback fans have given me, and I'm sure you, throughout the year of just how much they've enjoyed this show. Absolutely, man. One last ride. It's been a, it's been a hell of a journey. Uh, a lot of growth, a lot of honesty, and uh, just, you know, being able to give back through the Husker Heartbeat, give back, and it's been an overall overwhelming experience, and I've absolutely loved every second of it. And the beat, as you heard, we were brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, located from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. That's Edgewater Insurance, and they have been our title sponsor all year, just outstanding partners of all the things that we've done um, and, you know, we'll get to that later in the show, all the different charity things that we've been able to do on the show with the Husker Heartbeat give back. But let's get an opening headlines. Final game, Black Friday versus Iowa. Beautiful weather. I mean, it, it was just set up. It was set up to be one of those special days in Lincoln, Nebraska. And unfortunately, it just didn't end that way, Joe. I mean, what, what was your just two or three big takeaways with the way that game unfolded? Man, it unfolded like every other game the entire year, which was, uh, it still surprised me. <laughs> Believe it or not, it still surprised me, even though after it happened, it was like, damn, like, why didn't, why am I surprised? Uh, which is, you know, it is what it is. And as a collective whole, Husker Nation, you, me, and everybody involved, like, we, we have to move on from it. We can, we can dwell on it or we can grow from it. And I choose growth every time. And I'm going to choose to look at this um, with a positive uh, perception and, and try to better myself from it. Learn, learn take, take things away from this experience and apply them to my future so I can, so I can not repeat the past. Yeah, you guys go up 21-6 with a nine-play, 94-yard drive. And that's the 554 mark left in the third quarter. Yep. And so at that point, you're like, this is, and then Iowa, I believe, kicked the field goal to go up 20, it was 21 9. Yep. And then Nebraska was pinned back, and that led to the block punt. And, you know, you've been culturable now six years, and you understand punt schemes and protections. And, I mean, what did you see just from your perspective on what went wrong on the block punt? Yeah. I was actually on the near 25, so I had a great look at it. And, I mean, from the jump, like they they look, they came out with their hot look, and we're punting it, punting it to the right, and we have a left-footed punter, so that that already puts us at a slight disadvantage. We're on the right hash, we're punting it to the right with a left-footed punter, so the unblocked man is always away from where you're kicking it, and just with him being a left-footed punter, he's giving him that many more inches. He, he's that cl- he's that much closer. On top of I don't you know I don't know the op time, but I'm. I mean, we had everyone blocked up. It wasn't a, a missed assignment issue. If anything, it was an op time issue. And, uh, yeah, they capitalized on that opportunity. And we're on – Nebraska was using, I believe, a backup snapper. Cade Mueller, I want to say, has been out. Yeah. And that – I mean, that's something – you don't notice in long snappers and those things until something like that happens. Absolutely. And it wasn't like a bad snap, but, you know, a tenth of a second or, you know, just even that much makes a difference, right? Yeah, no doubt. 
And like I think any, everybody watching it and anybody there just felt the energy just get warped out of the game. And it was like it went from like we got this like oh man like we're really <laughs> we're really putting them in the dirt right now like this is awesome to like oh and then, then of course it took the perfect bounce Here to Iowa go. and it, it didn't it didn't I mean, even it didn't hit the ground. It was just like oh yep. I mean like th that's like the play you dream of to get in a college football game. No kidding because. Maybe if you tackle them, you hold them another field goal. Right. But in that situation, because their offense hadn't been able to do anything in the red zone. Now, they were pretty good between the 20s. Yeah. But once it got down to, like, inside the red zone area. We were holding them to three. And, and that was a big difference because you knew what they were doing. And I'll tell you, without Damian Daniels, that's such a different-looking defense, especially when you're going against Tyler Linderbaum, the best offensive lineman maybe in college football. Yeah. Their center. Yep. He's a good player. It just goes to show, like, belief, man. Like, it felt it felt like half half the people in the stadium were just like, oh, here we go again. And, I mean, I, I felt that for a split second, and then I chose, like, yo, this. Somebody had to make a play from there then. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are we? how are we going to respond to this? I was going up and down the sideline like, it's only right that we have to overcome this adversity to get to where we want to go. And – that's how that's how I felt, and we just we couldn't overcome it. And when I say making a play. I'm I'm talking just getting a first down. I mean, just getting yeah. some momentum back the other way. Right. It just takes a little bit because that option stuff early was really working. But Iowa was a good coach team, well coached team, and and they adjusted. And at that point, you know one you know the stat that really got me was Nebraska ran the ball in the second half 16 times for 18 yards total. Yep. And I mean, in the first half, you guys were 115, give or take. I mean, you were on pace to go for 200 plus, which that wins you just about any Big Ten football game if you can break 200 yards. Right. Yeah, man. It. Uh, that's. I mean, that's what I love about this podcast is it's forced us to be honest about the outcomes. I mean, we're here uh, every week after these games, and we've had nine of them now where we're we're looking at ourselves like, how could this have happened? And we have to we have to honestly assess the outcome, the preparation, and we gotta we gotta find ways to change. We have to be willing to change, and then attack that. Who will you cheer for in the Big Ten title game, Iowa or Michigan, or uh -oh. just turn it off and leave the room? <laughs> it doesn't even matter who I want to cheer for. It's I think Michigan steamrolls them. I mean, that's the thing. Like Michigan, to me, might have been the best team you played all year. Yeah. Like, I thought when you played them after that game, I thought they were better than Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. And definitely better than Michigan State. Like, how Michigan State beat them is still beyond me. It's wild how we can play Michigan State and Ohio State like this, like as close as we did. It was 23-17 in the fourth quarter in the red zone, and they opted to kick the field goal against Ohio State that was missed versus going to, you know, fourth. It was at fourth and two. Yeah, something like that, and and try to take the lead um, in that situation. So yeah, <laughs> and we 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 lose to Iowa. Iowa beats Northwestern seventeen to twelve, and we beat Northwestern by fifty six to whatever. Yeah, just crazy, man. Oh man, it's uh, <laughs> it's memorable nonetheless. Uh, not not the memories we want to have, but the memories that we do have, and. Uh, you know, a lot of Husker fans dug into their whiskey collections on Saturday nights when they got home because it, it took a lot out of you to go to these games. No doubt. But, you know, Joe, we talked earlier at the top. One of the great things on this show we've done all year has been the Husker Heartbeat Give Back with Edgewater. Each week throughout the year, uh, we selected 12 different charities with Edgewater 
um, to give a thousand dollars to on behalf of the Beat Podcast and Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. Um, you know, you talk about all these great different charities that we honored this year. That really was the best part to me of doing the show with you every week to bring in different people from, you know, the Sam Fultz Scholarship Foundation to, um, you know, different school organizations around the state and, and you know, your Elkhorn Public Schools Foundation last week. We had so many great different things that you were able to get back to. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was an honor to, to meet those families. And it's crazy how just like an effort with an intention has the capability of so much influence. And that's all this was. Um, we just we just made up our mind. We want to give back and help people. And the relationships we've created and the impact we've made is is uh, limitless. So it, uh, truly an honor to be a part of this. And again, shout out to Edgewater for literally making it all possible. And I got some numbers for you, Sean. Edgewater put $12,000 total this fall. And our from our podcast and from the Husker Heartbeat uh, t-shirts and donating to charities, our listeners raised just under $10,000. Wow. Yes. So we 22,000 total. Just under 22,000. And you know, like you talk about what NIL is. I mean, we've been able to take NIL on this show and 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 use it to help people. And yep. and that to me is what's so cool about all this because it's not just about taking handouts and freebie. I mean, we're we're using this show as a platform to do so much more. Yes. Well, we got something exciting, Jojo, in our next segment. We've been kind of sitting on this one we for the have. final show. Um, but your brother, yep, Brock Doman, Brocky D, who um, will be—he's uh, in his junior year at Louisville. He's in his—I uh, think he's in his red shirt, gray shirt, sophomore year. Yeah, he's got the weirdest eligibility clock. But Brock <laughs> Doman will join us next via phone from Louisville as uh, we'll talk with Brock for a few segments. You're listening here to the beat. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to The Beat with Jojo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on The Beat. Sean Callahan, Jojo Doman is here. We're brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate with locations from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. That's Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, the proud title sponsor here of The Beat Podcast. But this segment of the program brought to you by Jojo and I's favorite sports bar, Tanner's Bar and Grill. 30th and Yankee Hill Road as I was able to get some food for you missed out on the food today by the way the McGowns came in and crushed the wings I was thinking about having Cassie getting you a uh, hot lip Aww. quesadilla but it would have got it would have been out for like four hours so that's cool I don't want to get you sick uh training for the draft right now I appreciate that uh, Sean. leaving food out too long but Tanner's sports <laughs> bar and grill 30th and Yankee Hill segment sponsor here let's bring in our next guest somebody we've been waiting to talk to all year on the show your younger brother, we think is younger. His eligibility clock um, yeah. is, is hard to understand. Let's bring in Brock Doman. And Brock, what year are you as we bring in Brock? He's a Louisville quarterback. Give us an idea of what your eligibility is right now at Louisville. Well, I can understand why it's hard to understand my, my clock. <laughs> um, I currently am a redshirt sophomore that is about to be a redshirt junior. 
Yeah, bro. Let's tap into that journey, man. You uh, you went from a gray shirt to you a gray shirt at Ventura to playing at Ventura. Then you go to Campbell. Then you go back to college, back to JUCO in California. COVID happens. You go to Independence, and now you're finally at that Division One school you've been hoping, praying, and working for, Louisville Cardinals. Man, how how are you? How can you sum up that journey for us? That's a that's a that's a that's a big question. The best way I could sum it up is I never took no for an answer. Yeah. Perseverance. Um there's been there's been plenty of coaches along this journey that didn't think I had what it took and I knew I had what it took and they just didn't allow me to to show them what what I got on the inside and um so I, I ultimately the reason why I feel like I had to bounce around a little bit is you got to find somewhere where they value you. Yes. Um ultimately you can you can value yourself all you want, but you need to be in a place where they value you so you can showcase your abilities. Yes. No doubt. What uh a... That's not easy to find. That's it's really not easy to find in college football. Man, I I've been with you every step of the way, and I can tell you it, it hasn't always been easy, and uh, it hasn't always been you know with we've doubted ourselves, and you've doubted you've doubted the process and yourself and, and why you're doing what you're doing. Like, what made you just keep coming back and, and keep finding a way and not taking no for an answer? Like, why? I really think it's subconscious programming to. Uh, when we grew up, we our role models were our dad's clients, and um, every time we heard their stories, man, it was always, I got cut three times before I made it, or yeah. I went to this college, to then that college, to this college, and then I made it, or I was the second string for five years, then I made it. It was always just some type of crazy adversity, some crazy inspirational story and then at the end you hear they made it and I kept hearing story after story after story of that as a kid and so I didn't consciously know hey this is what I'm signing up for (laughs) a crazy journey of extreme adversity right but um because and I'm thankful for that because if I would have known the journey and what it took um, I, I wouldn't have signed up for it. Right. I, I definitely would have just called it a day after high school ball. Um, yep. Now, so I think ulti- ultimately just that. And then the second thing would be, I always would weigh my options of, well, you, I, I would always give myself the out. Like, Hey, you, you don't have to do this. You can do the alternative and I just don't want to do the alternative. Yeah. I was talking to dad earlier on the phone and he was talking about what made you and me different than, you know, the guys we played with in high school that went on to play college ball. Um, some of our good friends still, and they're, they're done playing and, uh, what, like what separated us. And I told him belief. I told him we believed like you, you alluded to it, the subconscious programming. I think we just, we just believed, man, even when our circumstances gave us no reason to believe and actually, you know, gave us reasons to doubt. We, we chose belief over doubt every time. 
And even, even in those moments that we did doubt ourselves or our circumstances or God's plan for our life, uh, you know, we, 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 we got to bed and we woke up the next morning and we shook it off and we, and we kept pushing forward. I agree with you. And I think also in the times that I've been most down and out per se, I've felt the most conviction and yes embodiment of, of what I truly believe and that's I have what it takes. Yes. And I think that goes back to um, the faith we have in our Lord Jesus. I think that goes back to how we were raised. Yep. And, you know, growing up on really good teams yep. and how anytime shit hit the fan, we had no option but to buckle back up. And so it was just, I think it's been embedded in us. And I, I think... You know, the worst thing someone can do is when their circumstances aren't going well, and I've done this many times, so it's not that I haven't done it, um, is you just become a victim of your circumstances, and um, you end up saying, well, this is how life is, and this is how it's going to be, and you start making excuses of what you can tell your parents and your friends of why you didn't make it. Right. And I don't ever want to... I don't ever want to be that excuses guy. Yeah. Hey, you know, Jojo had every out in the world. He could have been like, man, I was the stardom guy and Gatorade player of the year and had the scholarship to Nebraska, but man, I had two ACLs back to back, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Like you had every out, but yep. you didn't allow that to be an out. I couldn't, I didn't want it to. I, uh, I wanted, I wanted to live, I wanted to live my dream life someday. And I just kept faith in that, even on the days that my actions didn't even really support that to the to the fullest I know I'm capable of. I just, you know, like you said, it's in, it's embedded in our mind, body, and spirit. Um, Brock, to to pivot a little bit into our upbringing and, and how we were raised, and kind of this brotherly rivalry that that we grew up in. Uh, can you touch on on touch on that for us? Sheesh. Um, I just remember, um, <laughs> being out in the backyard, throwing the football and Jojo would tackle me into the ground and freaking stomp my head into the ground. And we'd play tackle football downstairs when we weren't supposed to and all kinds of rug burns and shoot, we'd race up the stairs. We would. I mean, we really competed at everything besides with females, which is really insane to me yeah. that we didn't compete in that area. True. But, we, we knew our I boundaries. Mean, we, yeah, we, that was always a boundary. But, I mean, I remember one-on-one -on -one basketball. I mean, it was just we – I mean, video games. We wanted to not only win but – absolutely destroy and dominate the other person no doubt i remember and make them feel like they are nothing i remember we were in church and like it was a thing that brock and i would look forward to about going to church is we'd use like the offering pamphlets and we draw we do plays so brock would draw his offensive formation i draw my defensive formation and then the coverage and then brock would uh draw a play against it and we'd be in church like touchdown i'd be like no way and people are looking over at us like 
what are they talking about? The sermon? And we're talking about drawing football plays. It was just, you know, this is something that we've <laughs> we've dreamt of doing, man, and, and, and we're living it. And it's all about optimizing the moment. And that's what we're doing. It's really an obsession. It's It's got to be an obsession because um, JoJo and I had a same off period in high school. And we'd come home and play Madden. Um, yep. We'd, we'd we fake, practice in middle school. We'd fake sick the same day so we could we could play Madden until you know mom caught on and she started making a rule. Okay, if you're sick, no Madden. <laughs> and so we all of a sudden we're healthy the rest of the year. Yep. Well, hey Brock, we're gonna pick this back up yeah. in the next segment. All right, when we come back, it's gonna be Brock interviewing JoJo. Let's so go. Brock's bringing it. When we come back, you're listening here to the beat. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And welcome back here to The Beat. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman, as we've got Brock Doman joining us here. As you heard, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate with locations from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. That's Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate handling all of your insurance and real estate needs. Proud title sponsor, but the segment sponsor is brought to you by Gary Michaels Clothiers. And JoJo Dolman just got out of Gary Michaels, met up with Nate um, and, and Gary, and you got hooked up, man. You got you got your gear, right? Dude, they got me looking nice, and I, I got one out of the two, and man, I felt like I was good with one. Like, they, they did me right. Yeah, they want to get you dressed up for, like, draft stuff or whatever, right? Yep. I'm gonna, I'll probably stunt to the Senior Bowl in a, in a Gary Michaels suit, too. A little business casual travel. Yep. All right, well, that's Gary Michaels Clothiers, 56 in Pine Lake Road. If you're looking for a Christmas present for maybe Craig Dolman, <laughs> stop into Gary Michaels, get a tie, um, get a shirt, get sports coats. They've got it all inside Gary Michaels Clothiers. But now it's time, Brock Dolman, the floor is yours. Where are you taking this out of the gates with your older brother, JoJo? What you got, B? Yeah, so the uh, first question I got for you is, you just had a legendary career at Nebraska, and your your roots are there. Your two best friends, your girlfriend. Um, now you're going into uncharted territory. You're now going to be going into a, a senior bowl with the best seniors in the country. You're about to be put into a pool of players that are all the best at their schools, just like you were the best at your school. And as we all know, the the senior bowl and the combine and everything leading up to the draft is easily the most intense training of, of an athlete's life. Right. And after that, you know, it's whatever you choose to do in the league, but, but this right here is extremely potent training. What is your mindset going into all this change? Yeah, no, that's a fair question, Brock. I, uh, I'm relying on my, on my process. You know, it, it was kind of like during the ACLs, like I had to just, I had no, I had nothing to, I had no circumstances validating where I was at. It was all, you know, I, this is how I believe I need to proceed to achieve what I want to achieve and then sticking to that. So then creating habits that, you know, will put me in positions to be successful. If that's mindfulness practices, if that's speed training, weight training, nutrition, sleep, uh, reading books, like just doing just creating healthy habits on a day-to-day basis that are just up-leveling me as a person, uh, which is going to up-level me as a player. And I think, like I've said before, like everything 
every cell of your of your being walks onto that field. You don't just turn it on and become a superhero just because you you step on the football field. Like whoever you are, whoever you are off the field steps onto that football field, and I truly believe that. So that's how I'm attacking this process. I love that. Yes, sir. You're you're setting yourself up definitely for the best outcomes and circumstances. Um, next question I got for you is. Give us a little reflection on what you learned off the field with relationships and friendships, because um, if if people don't know that listen to this podcast, um, you know, Jojo and I had the same friend group in high school and they were in my grade um, and in college, Jojo completely shifted the script of kind of how friends have been in his life where before they were kind of floating and in college, he, he really found his people. Yeah. So what what's the biggest takeaway you took from that? Man, that you're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with and that, you know, you, you take on a lot of the energy of the people that you surround yourself with day to day and that if, if they have certain, you know, if they have limited mindsets or uh, limited perspectives, like that's, that's what you're surrounding yourself with. But if they have limitless perspectives, limitless trust in you, limitless love, just, you know, all these positive attributes, then, then you're surrounding yourself with that. And I, I would not be sitting here with you, Sean, and going to the Senior Bowl if it wasn't for Megan, John, and Brian at Nebraska. Point blank period. They were 100% destined to be part of my process and to be part of my life, and I'm so grateful for that. And now that it's seemingly over, one chapter closes for another to, to start, and I am excited for this next chapter, and I'm definitely going to write them into this next chapter of my life because they benefit me in every aspect of, of life. So, I yeah, I can't say enough good things about those people and how, how they've bettered me as a human being. Amazing. Amazing. It's, it's awesome. The well, last you, question. Yep. Last question I was going to ask you is what's been the most challenging part of having a podcast and what's been the funnest part about having this podcast? Yeah, man. The hardest part has been, we've kind of alluded to it earlier. We've had, we, we come in here every, every week, regardless of the result, rain or shine, rain or shine, baby. We're, we're in the booth and I'm speaking my truth to uh, Nebraska faithful and, and whoever out there that is listening to the podcast. And man, it, it's challenged me a lot uh, to keep everything in perspective. It's like, I have to, I really have to live what I preach. I have to live what I believe. Like sometimes I catch, like I know better, but I, but I still choose different. And I guess this podcast has challenged me to know better and, and be different um, and be better from knowing better, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, Football brings us all together. Football brings us all together. And that's the beautiful thing about Nebraska is from from way east in Omaha to, to west Nebraska, they, they all rally around Nebraska football. And that's a beautiful community to be a part of. And it's a blessing. But you, you share the love and you also share the failures. And that's that's been that's been the toughest aspect is is keeping faith and keeping perspective amongst the, the circumstances that aren't going our way. Uh, that's been the toughest part um, by far. The best part is 
I mean, it, it builds off of that. Is it, it, It's challenged me. It's, it's made me use my vo- voice. It's forced me to define who I am and what I stand for. It's, it's created, it's given me opportunity to, to create influence in the, in the Nebraska community um, and, build, and build new relationships. So the, I asked, I asked <laughs> to bring this all full circle, I asked my 13-year-old neighbor girl, Natalie, why bad things happen to good people. And she took a deep breath and just simply puts it, because good things come from bad things. And that's how I feel about my overall experience here at Nebraska, is it, it may look bad, but honestly, good things come from bad things. Uh, flowers need rain to grow. Wow. Well, Brock, um, this has been a lot of fun. You know, your story, too, as we wrap it up with you, is so unique how you went to Independence. You're at Louisville, and of all things, a Coloradoan, a former teammate of JoJo's, first went to Louisville, and he was a quarterback, Luke McCaffrey. didn't work out for him there. And that's how you got into Louisville, essentially, because they needed a quarterback. I mean, it just it's so crazy how how life works, how you know you, you had to – scrape and claw to get where you're at and it all worked out where you're at Louisville right now and doing great things. Yes, sir. You know, there's a saying, what is for you cannot pass you. And I live by that. No doubt. I mean, this, this journey's tried and tested us in every which way, uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, and we will continue to stand the test and continue to fight back uh, regardless of what life and, and the Lord throws at us. And it's meant to make us stronger, and that's and that is what we live by in the Doman household. And I couldn't be, I couldn't be more grateful for this man that I wish I could see in the eyes right now. But um, Brock, I love you, bro. Thank you for jumping on the pod, and you are an inspiration to me, and, and many more. And I'm excited to see how you develop and grow into this role at Louisville, and uh, look forward to seeing you over Christmas. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, thanks again to Brock Doman, Louisville quarterback, joining us here on the show. When we come back, we've got a lot of questions from fans kind of as as we wrap up this series of The Beat. We'll get through those questions in our next two segments. You're listening here to The Beat. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on The Beat. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman. That was great hearing from Brock. Um, as he brought so much uh, insight and oh, energy yeah. to the program. You can tell he's a Dolman. No doubt. I've, we've had every Dolman. Now, now Teddy, Teddy. Teddy likes to stay behind the she's scenes. She's the Wizard of Oz. That's the, right. The, the, the man behind the curtain, the person behind the curtain. Yep. Uh, but Teddy is really the brains. <laughs> no but doubt. No, yeah, you're, uh, you're listening to The Beat, as you heard, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance Real Estate with locations from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. That's Edgewater Insurance Real Estate. But this segment of the show brought to you by S&W Fence for your best defense in the game. Call S&W Fence with locations in Omaha and Lincoln handling all of your commercial and residential fencing needs. Go to Best of Omaha four to five years. That's S&W Fence. Proud segment sponsor here of the program. And Joe, lots of questions. I want to get to this topic to you first. Let's do it. Your reaction to Lincoln Riley coaching Saturday night against Oklahoma State in Stillwater to like 10, 1030 at night. I imagine they didn't get back to Norman until one in the morning or something. Yep. 12. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long that bus ride would be for those guys. And then in the morning, he's the head coach of USC. Yeah. Well, obviously it was like, he knew what he was doing. Uh, he probably, you know, silent committed, uh, 
you know, a couple of days, a week before. Um, that's tough, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get it while you're the guy. And it seems like obviously he thought that this was his time to go and, and build a, a program elsewhere. I mean, what else can he accomplish at Oklahoma? Um, three Heisman Trophy winners, uh, two was it Final Four appearances. So, man, it's part of the game. Money, money runs this world. Money runs college football. Money runs the NFL. It's money, man. Well, let me ask you this. Um, they're going to go to the SEC, and you guys played Oklahoma, and so you you've played every Big Ten team, and you know what it's like to play in the Big Ten or the, a league like the SEC. They're better leagues than everybody else. Yep. Is Oklahoma a team that could play? Are they built to play eight SEC games like that right now? Yeah, I mean, they're going to transition of doing that. How hard that would be? Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. They're obviously going to have to rebuild their uh, their process of recruiting and, and their developing. Lines. I mean, everything. They're going to have to reevaluate everything. I would assume and. They're going to get new coaches in, and, you know, it's really up to the AD and the president to get the right people um, in the right places and then let them go to work. So uh, best of luck to them. I hope Nebraska kicks their tail next year and, and sends them off to the SEC. Uh, sorry. All right. This is uh, from Love the Huskers um, on Husker Online. said, thank you for everything you've accomplished, JoJo, for yourself and this university. Um, when you look at this roster, I mean, there's been some seniors and things – I mean, what's your read on some of these guys that have left? Do you think some could come back? I mean, how, you were in the same spot a year ago. I think maybe post Black Friday weekend, you were probably leaving. And then your your when did your mind change about coming back? Yeah, it was. I guess I just weighed my options, and I just had a. It was a feeling for me, like, yeah, like the NFL sounded good, but like I know, like the NFL stands not for long. And once I'm there, I'm there, and I'll be out before I even know it. And to have the opportunity to come back to the school that I love, that I've, you know, bl uh, blood, sweat, and tears poured into this program um, with the opportunity to do it different, to write a new story. I mean, it was, it was an easy decision for me. So that's, that's kind of what went into it. And it was just a gut, it was a gut check for me. Next question is from Husker um, Prepperism. Wants to know when your playing days are over, a lot of guys come back to Nebraska and, you know, raise a family here. Maybe have a career here, own a business, get involved in something. Your girlfriend, Megan, is from Grand Island, as we know. Yep. Do you envision – you have to talk about that. Do you guys say, you know what, when everything's done with football and whatnot, we want to be back here? Or like, do you not even know what your life is going to do after football? I have no idea. Would you want to live in Nebraska if, if the right opportunity – If the right opportunity presented itself, I wouldn't be opposed to living in Nebraska. Um, I mean, right when I'm done with football, if I can't get it done during football, I want to take a, a missions trip over to West Africa um, as soon as possible. Hopefully I can get it done, you know, before my playing days are over. But just go go to a different culture, experience a new culture, and, and get relative. You know, experience life from a different angle. And uh, I really look forward to that. And, you know, obviously I try to create that that angle here with my, you know, where I'm at. And obviously you got to you got to make the most of what you're doing and where you're at. But I am excited for that. And then when it comes to career wise, like I don't want to be a college football coach or a pro coach. I, I do want to coach my kids in whatever sport they uh, they choose to play and just be a father. I do look forward to being a father. That's just, could you see yourself being a media member, like ho hosting shows or being an analyst? I could see it. I don't know what I want to do. The, I mean, like I said, I, my mind's made up on, you know, a missions trip and I want to build a sports and health and wellness community um, at a grand capacity at, at some point in my life. And that probably be down the line when I have net worth and, and, and relationships and 
you know, but when, when the opportunity presents itself, I want to do something big. Next question is from Boss Ross. Um, wanted to first of all say how much he's appreciated the podcast every week. And the question is, now that your football career is over, what do you see your relationship with Nebraska being going forward? I want to help this place be successful, um, regardless of my playing days being over. Uh, I love this place. This place is, has poured into me, has given me opportunities, and uh, like we touched on earlier, has brought relationships into my life that will never leave. And I, I feel like I owe Nebraska for that. And yeah, I plan to help this program in this state in any way that I can. Um, and that's what I'll be doing. Next question is from Thrasher31. As you go through the draft process right now, what position do you think they're telling you at? I mean, do they, they think you're like a linebacker? Do they think you're, you know, a fifth DB, a safety? Right. I mean, obviously everything special teams you're going to have to play if you make the NFL. Um, I mean, what, what are you hearing as far as a position fit? You know, I don't know for sure, but they're telling me uh, box safety on first and second down and more of like a will linebacker for third down packages. So uh, I'm, I'm prepared to learn anything they throw at me and uh, multiple positions. I'm a football player at the end of the day, and uh, I'm excited for the challenge, the new calls, the uh, just the nuances of the game that will just be enhanced because the league's just it's just like that. So. I'm excited to take that next step. All right, question now is from Sab4753. Um, said, recently Will Compton did an interview with Bo Pelini, his former coach, and he gave him some honest feedback to Bo Pelini on how his anger outbursts may have put 18 to 23-year-olds on edge at times, caused them to play scared to make a mistake. If you could give your coaches any advice now that you're done, you're done at Nebraska, like, you know, what, what, what's one constructive criticism maybe you'd like to say now? Yeah, I mean, sheesh. I, I know that's just, a tough question on the I spot. I would just, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with like just like the approach and development. Um, yes, I, d I feel like I developed myself um, a lot in my six years here, and I used the resources that were available to me. But I always, I just, there, were, I wish there was more within that developmental process. I mean, getting just. I mean, from the second guys uh, get on the facility, getting a, uh, you know, a, a symmetry test on their body, seeing their imbalances, you know, it, are they more susceptible to ACLs or, or this or that because they have limited range of motion here, limited strength here, they have asymmetries in their body, um, just things like that could, that, you know, will not only help develop guys but help them avoid injury moving forward. And and now they have things that they can be conscious of and, and move forward with, like oh, like I came here and. I was limited here and I'm limited here. I've been working at it for the last X amount of time. And, and now look at me. All right. When we come back, we'll pick up these questions with Jojo. You're listening here to the beat. You're listening to the beat with Jojo Doman brought to you by Edgewater insurance and real estate. Final segment here of the final show of the year for the beat. I know Ooh. you got some more coming up, Joe, you got the uh, path to the draft that you're, you're working on, but this is our final regular beat of our 18 scheduled episodes. So um, getting kind of emotional. I got goosebumps right now, Sean. <laughs> I just got chills. But uh, thanks again to Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, the proud title sponsor, um, JR, and, and everyone at Edgewater have been so great. Carrie um, on the social media team and everyone over there, um, just been a pleasure to work with them throughout the year and all the things they've done um, for the show. 
Uh, shout out again to Edgewater. But the final segment is brought to you by Pioneer Seed, um, an American seed brand. And you've got a personal connection to Pioneer. Megan's father works for Pioneer. Um, so thanks again to Pioneer Seed as they are our final segment sponsor here on the program, Joe. But let's get into these last questions. All right. Give me your under-the-radar player on this team. It could be offense. It could be defense Ooh. for next season. Who's the dude? Man, that's a good question. Honestly, I think it's going to come from our D-line. I'm going to go Casey Rogers and Ty Robinson. I think I, I see them stepping up. I just... wouldn't call them under the radar. <laughs> They're like, damn, they're starters. Okay. Like, uh, like a Buford or, oh, you know, somebody of that caliber, you know, Masai Newsome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with Laquan Buckley. I'll go with Buford. Buford. The dude's been a – the dude's acted older than he is since he got here. He came in early. Um, he's athletic. He, he tore his ACLs, rehab tournament, and has been playing this year on special teams, and he goes hard. So I would definitely be looking out for Marquise Buford uh, in the future. All right. Who is the most underappreciated coach? And you've been on – a couple of staffs now that you've worked with at Nebraska. Man, that's a good – that is a great question. Ooh. I'm scanning through them all. I'm going to take a shot in the dark that it's not Bob Diaco. No, he just <laughs> he just missed the cut. <laughs> I mean, you've had Mark Banker. You've had Trent Bray. You've had Barrett Rude. You've had Eric Chenander. Yeah. Um, you've had – I'm trying to think of their position coaches. I'm, um, Honestly, Mike the, Dawson. the dudes that come to mind, and it wasn't – super personal to me because they're on the offensive side of the ball but just by the way we've played and just seeing them uh steve-o and coop on the offensive side they're two uh, assistants um that once the coaches got fired they stepped up and they've always been players guys from the from the jump and when those guys were let go these guys stepped up and, and brought the energy and they're encouraging they're positive and they're growth oriented and they they make our football program a better place. All right, this is kind of another random one. What's your recruiting message to high school athletes? And is it a different message than maybe a transfer portal guy that's coming to Nebraska and looking at Nebraska? Do you tell like I'm just trying to think a guy that came in, the Tyreek Johnson, if right. you know you see him on his visit versus Gage Stenger. Right. Um, you know, is your message the same or a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, I told Gage this, like, you, you don't commit to a school for their coaches. I believe you should commit to a school for the school. Um, yeah, because like you just listed, I've been through so many coaches, and if I would have just, you know, given up when, when they were let go, I wouldn't be here uh, doing this with you all. So I, I committed to the school. I, uh, I dedicated my, my football grind to, to playing at Nebraska and to proving myself at Nebraska, and that paid off for me. So that's probably what I would tell young uh, aspiring high school athletes and then when it comes to juco i would say honestly quite the opposite like you got to go somewhere where um we have an opportunity to play and if you're and if you just want a scholarship and get your degree and move on then then that's your angle but if you want to play you got to go to the coaches that are the most honest with you and aren't just telling you what you want to hear and telling you how great you are you got to ask them tough questions and figure out what, what their thinking is and uh, how, how you can fit into their depth chart and how you can climb that depth chart. All right, this is one, and actually I'm curious myself, and 2018, when Scott Frost first got here, coaches had hats with their area codes, players had area codes on their helmet. Yeah. What happened to the area codes? Is there, is there <laughs> does anybody know, like, because they were there and then they were just gone, and then 
we asked about it, and we got a very, very uh, short answer on why the area code disappeared. You know, that is a mystery. I don't have an answer Nobody for knows. that. Nobody knows. I enjoyed them. But, uh, What's your area code in Colorado? 719. 719. Are yep. you a four, do you carry a 719 still? I should know that. I do. You're not, a four, you're not carrying the 402. No, nope, loyal to the 719. But, yeah, I don't have an answer for that. I, I'm assuming they... Too much individualism, probably. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, that was something, like, when they came, they're like, everyone's going to... I mean, you had the area codes in the... A couple of games, maybe. I think it was just for the season. Well, the the Akron game and the Colorado game, and I mean, I, I feel like they were taken off mid season. Did they? I can't even remember. But no, that, I just that, that's a really random question. I'm glad that we were asked that question. Um, let's see. How is your recovery coming along, and what are your plans for prepping for the combine? This is from um, the Vague Visor. Yeah, the recovery is coming amazing. I went in today and I have more range of motion than expected at this point and it's going well. I just have to I just have to put myself in positions where I'm not I'm not doing anything stupid. Um I mean it can be a it can be a simple, no Duncan. <laughs> it can be a simple mishap. Like my dad had a similar hand surgery and he was on he was getting off a plane and, and grabbed up to grab his luggage oh. with the with his injured hand. Suitcase came down and when it like hit the it kind of torqued on his hand, and he felt a crack all the way up his hand. So just trying to avoid any anything like that. I, I'm pretty conscious about grabbing things. And, I mean, even when I get in my car, it's my left hand, so I can't even – I have to reach over with my right hand to close the door. Just trying not to – just very conscientious of it. What If you could do one thing over, like at Nebraska oh in my, the last six – Oh, mean, my is there? I mean, and this is not a – this is a hard one. That is tough. But is there like – you're like, if I would have done this different, I mean, this would have been different. Man, man, if I would have done anything different along the way, everything could be different. So that's a good question. And I think I don't really have a good answer for that right now. I'm just I'm thankful yeah, that's, for that's everything. like a two hour special. No doubt. I mean, you can't really just give that in like one question yeah. on the podcast. OK, and this is definitely putting you on the spot. Twins are us says, did you get engaged? I'm not engaged. Yeah, OK. And I was like, I would think I would have known that. Yeah, no, I would have told. I would have texted. I was you. like, how are you engaged? I didn't even know. Nope, not engaged. Sorry, guys. How did you feel about Logan Smothers? This is from Low Husker. How did you feel about Logan's first game as a Husker at quarterback? I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought he did a nice job. Uh, you know, only having a week in advance to prepare and and running the ball as many times as he did. And uh, what really encouraged me was seeing him throughout the week, kind of like use his voice. And you can when when someone's uh, you know confident enough to to use their voice, you know that they're tapped into the moment. And just seeing him try to rally the guys um, was encouraging. And he's obviously uh, he's a great guy, and and I wish him the best in his football endeavors. Well, man, this has been so much fun. It really has, Sean. Like, can we just keep doing them just for fun? <laughs> just like, yeah, no, um, <laughs> you're you're busy, and and everyone's gonna be following you. What's going on? Um, senior bowl like we have a reason and hopefully austin allen gets a chance in the senior i don't know like what his um draft all-star prospects look like but um you and cam taylor Britt will be in mobile for the week and obviously the combine um and maybe a few more guys could join you in mobile so and and obviously the combine so it's just started now i mean career's over at nebraska but your your next step has just gotten going yeah the story is just beginning i can't thank you listeners enough for for all your love and support uh appreciate this time that we had together and and just know that we're, we're moving forward together this isn't we ain't got to stop nothing now you know what i'm saying like this process is going to keep moving forward and 
continue to follow along. I will continue to tap in with you guys, and uh, God bless you all. All right, well, that wraps it up here. Thanks for listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Join us for another show next week, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate.